Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So I was trying to follow this story out of Montana where they have decided to ban TikTok. Montana, search for it, Montana bans TikTok. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. But they've done it. Of course, there's going to be plenty of challenges, but they're making a statement. And Greg Gianforte, the governor, is saying you can't have the communist Chinese spying on American kids. You got to do something about it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. So I wanted to reach out to Aaron Flint. Aaron Flint is the voice of Montana Radio, montanatalks.com. And I've known Aaron for forever, a local host with with a statewide uh, footprint. And so I went to talk to him, but he was on the air because of the time difference. We couldn't figure out how to connect. So we're like, well, screw it. We'll do it live. So he, I was on the air with him while he's doing the interview with me. You know, I mentioned over a decade ago, I got a, I got a chance to go to the Right Online convention. And really, it was, it was folks like Andrew Breitbart and folks in the conservative movement that were trying to counter these radical left-wing bloggers, the Nutroots, uh, Netroots Nation. But, but since a, you know, a little old me from Montana got to go to that convention, I got to mingle with these great conservative commentators and radio hosts from all across the country. Uh, guys like Tony Katz, who we have the honor of chatting with right now. Hey, Tony, uh, yeah, great to, great to have you with us live on the air here in Montana. And then I understand you're also going to be broadcasting live uh, right back home in Indiana. Yeah, so this is a fantastically meta moment, Aaron, where I'm on the air with you and you are on the air with me. This, this is the way radio w- w- was meant to be. It's good to hear from you. And the reason I, I wanted to talk was because all of America is talking about Montana and this TikTok ban. And I wanted to kind of like hear it from the horse's mouth. You are the voice of Montana. So like, what, what is the take here? Cause this is like, I understand this, right? This is more than just government. Uh, this is, you know, TikTok or devices banning TikTok. This is the state. Yeah, this this is a, a straight up ban on the communist Chinese influence uh, app, the communist Chinese intelligence collection tool known as TikTok. You're right, Montana, first in the nation to now do a ban on TikTok. And uh, yeah, huge. And, and, you know, a lot of people may not notice this because, you know, we're, we're kind of like, like you in, in Indiana. We're in the heartland of America. We're kind of flyover country back here. But we've got an attorney general, Austin Knudsen, who I would say is the best AG in the country. we we got Governor Greg Gianforte delivering some first-in-the-nation uh, bills here. And I, I love Ron DeSantis. I love Donald Trump. But, hey, what's happening here in the heartland of America is we're standing up, and we're going to stand up to the communist Chinese, even if Washington isn't. Well, in Indiana, we have uh, Governor Eric Holcomb, and you haven't heard about him because even in Indiana, we don't hear from Governor Eric Holcomb. Very, very small thing said. Uh, it's a very odd Republican Party uh, in the state, Aaron. But the the I, I'm with you on the threat of the communist Chinese. It, it's a conversation that we have 
often. And when you talk about banning TikTok, you're you're talking about affecting people's lives. And this is where guys like myself, I think guys like you or free market people, this becomes a little bit of a challenge. I make the argument that national security has to come first. There comes a moment where you got to say this is a, a, a real threat, but it's a question of how. This ban, does this mean you can't download the app anywhere? So basically what it will do is... is, is the initial draft of the legislation, as I understand it, what it would have done is, is the Internet service providers would have had to police this. And, and obviously that had some challenges. This applies directly to those app stores. So Google, Play Store, iTunes for folks with iPhones, they're the ones uh, that are going to be responsible for implementing this. But, but I think, and, and, and obviously, you know, some of our friends on the left and some of the folks who, who are defenders of, of TikTok will say, well, how are you going to enforce this? Well, uh, TikTok, I mean, you know, these, uh, iTunes and Google, they figured out a way to uh, keep other uh, apps off of their Play Stores before, so it shouldn't be that hard for them to do it this time as well. And, and you're right, like, you know, we have export-import controls. So anybody who works in agriculture knows that, that you can't just buy anything from China you want and import it into the country. You can't just sell anything you want to, to China without, you know, going through, you know, certain procedures, right? So, so the question is, we have borders for a reason. Do those borders now apply when it comes to to uh, digital intelligence collection tools as well, right? But I, the bigger picture here to me, uh, uh, Tony, is you know I did a BBC interview uh, a few months back. Remember when the whole China spy balloon was floating over Montana? Yes. And, you know, everybody. Two was guys talking. having to look into the sky and defeated the entire Biden security apparatus. Yeah, exactly. I told the BBC in this podcast, and I think a portion of it got cut out, but, you know, we have nuclear missile silos here in Montana, Malmstrom Air Force Base, uh, scattered all across, you know, farm country here in Montana. And and here's this China spy balloon hover, hovering overhead. But I made the point that those nuclear missile silos are part of our nuclear triad. And so I described that what the communist Chinese are doing is that the, the communist Chinese have this triad of of intelligence uh, collection and in montana they're they're trying to buy up our farmland near nuclear uh, missile silo sites so they're spying on the ground uh they had the spy balloon overhead and then they have this TikTok app that's literally in our pockets spying on anybody who has this device so so i described it as kind of this chinese intelligence collection triad and our governor and our attorney general and our legislature very clearly saying no you're not going to we're not going to allow the communist chinese to buy farmland or other critical infrastructure that was signed into law no more TikTok, and they would have shot the spy balloon down uh even though joe biden uh waited until it already accomplished its mission to do so yeah so the the farmland conversation is a big one aaron aaron flint of montana talks montana talks.com in case anybody in my listening world wants to go find out more about aaron heck of a good-looking guy uh, by the way he's available <laughs> for modeling gigs and quinceaneras all across the country um, you're drinking too much bourbon already i see no such thing sir how dare you moderation is the key it's right. it's that idea 
that we're talking about a legitimate threat. The whole land conversation, whether you're talking about Grand Forks in North Dakota that voted no on a massive Chinese land buy, whether you're talking about, I think it's 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 called Big Forks, which is in Michigan, where that uh, board there, that, that board of supervisors, even though two Democrats voted against it, they still had enough Democrats to vote for it to allow the Chinese to move forward with a battery plant operation, which now is in question and rightfully so. There are things that we need to do to ensure safety and security. I think where people get this confused is that they take a look at the Constitution, they take a look at our way of life, they take a look at their concepts of capitalism and say, we can't do that to them. Without the recognition that we are not the communist Chinese, they're the communist Chinese. The American citizen can do what the American citizen chooses under the protections of the Constitution. But the Chinese communists can't, and we don't have to treat both things equally. The Constitution is not a suicide pact. Um, yeah, I want to get into where you're, where the Montana politics are because I think you brought up an excellent point, and this is where John Tester, Senator Tester, is having the most amount of issue that you have on a statewide level. This governor, this AG, willing to aggressively fight the fight, and it doesn't seem to me like Montana Democrats are like, let's say, California Democrats. So as you have this talk about the the communist Chinese and and the idea of the land grabs and the t- technology grabs. What is the political environment? A state that's willing to say yeah. no to TikTok is saying something, but down to the nitty gritty, where is the person from Montana at? We have got to get rid of liberal Senator John Tester in 2024. Uh, look, he will talk tough on China's spy balloon after it already flew all across America. He'll talk tough on the southern border, but what has he done to stop Joe Biden when one vote could stop Joe Biden in the United States Senate? He'll talk tough on the Keystone Pipeline, but then vote against it when it matters the most. Uh, this is One of our listeners actually coined a phrase to describe liberal Senator John Tester, the flip-flop flat top. Uh, or, hey, hey, I know you got folks listening in farm and ranch country as well in Indiana. Uh, he's good at the two-step. He'll say one thing and then do another. We call it the tester two-step. Uh, he's got to go. I'm hopeful that because of, you know, Montana has grown more deeply red. You've got political refugees that are fleeing California, fleeing Portland, fleeing Seattle, yeah. and they truly are political conservative refugees. I think Montana has gotten even more conservative than 2020, more conservative than 2018 when John Tester was up the last time. If we get a great candidate to step up against him, which I think we will, we can take John Tester out in 2024. If the state is leans that right, how did Tester get in to begin with? Well, you know, he's got a flat top. He's got a big old belly. He's a farmer. He looks the right part, right? Like he looks like he could be your uncle. Uh, he pretended to be conservative. He, 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 and, and, you know, you still got those old school union Democrats or farmers union Democrats who, who refuse to recognize how radical left the Democrat Party has become and that the Democrat Party has abandoned them. So you still get some of their, those holdovers. And he's had the media in his back pocket. Uh, but I think that's going to finally run out in 2024. Uh, at least, at least I hope. I mean, uh, but but the Democrats are going to are going to go all in. I mean, I mean, in in Montana, they're going to spend 200 plus million to try to save his seat. So we need help from all across America uh, because that seat is that critical. The TikTok ban uh, that's going on. Uh, what are the lawsuits against, and how is it how is it seen like they're going to play out? 
Well, we've got liberal judges here in the state, uh, a liberal Supreme Court, unfortunately. Uh, we expect the, the left-wing ACLU to stand up for China. They wouldn't stand up for your churches when your churches were being shut down or your kids when your kids were forced to wear masks. But right. they'll stand up for the communist Chinese, won't they? That is the absolute truth. His name is Aaron Flint. You can find him at MontanaTalks.com. Uh, honestly, there are local hosts doing great work all across the country, and I don't mind bringing more attention to them and getting their takes on things. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. We called it as if it was a hard thing to call. The House of Representatives moving the conversation about expulsion along, but some would argue, as The Hill is arguing, the House punted. This is about Representative George Santos. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Appreciate all the people who are who are totally down with me getting the Bronco. I appreciate it. I love it. Uh, I, I do. Uh, I have, uh, I went from the, oh my gosh, what have I done to, hey, guess what I can do? I'm now in that phase of the thing. We'll see whether this is an enjoyable experience or just horrible. Uh, I purchased one at the Meekum auction. Uh, thought I was getting one price, got another price, but all right, I did the thing, and now I'm going to see what can be done with it. It's 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 fun. It, it is a car of my youth, uh, for sure. The House of Representatives voting 221 to 204, seven abstentions, to send a resolution, an expulsion resolution, to the Ethics Committee. This because Republicans don't necessarily want to be the people to do this, there is some politics here. That goes without question, although I would think that the Republican Party would not take much of a hit from its own people on this because, well, George Santos is a liar and a fraud. It is what it is what it is. This is, this is not a, 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 a debate. I don't know why you, you would think that you'd have an issue. Yes, you have a razor-thin majority. You don't want to lose that. I can appreciate it. But Santos is poison, or is it Santos? Is Santos the one from West Wing and it's pronounced George Santos? Am I pronouncing it wrong? It is Santos. Like it's Nevada, not Nevada. Oh, the people who say Nevada, they're so horrible. They are so wrong, and, and the people in Nevada will kick you. I, I did an event years ago in Reno with uh, the late Herman Cain. What a good dude Herman Cain was. And and I referred to it as Nevada, and people are like, no! I'm like, wait, what did I do wrong? It's Nevada. I'm like, all right, I, I'll try not to. I did it again, and uh, it was like it was like they were going to kick me in the shins. Like this, this, this woman up front wanted to kick me. She was so mad uh, at me in a joyful way. But seriously, say the name of the state right. It's Nevada, not Nevada. So I, I guess it's Santos, George Santos, not George Santos. My, my mistake. I don't think Republicans would take the hit. But the vote went this way. All five Democrats on the Ethics Committee voted present, along with a couple other Democrats. Everybody else went on uh, party lines. Are you Wait, are you saying that Democrats didn't want to vote to, to remove him? Or they didn't want to go to the Ethics Committee. They wanted Republicans on the record. The politics are real. In either case... Um, it's 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 going to the ethics 
committee. Um, Santos saying if he would step down. Well, of course, if it's recommended by the panel, I'm not chaining myself here. If the ethics committee makes that recommendation, that's a different story. And then he goes, I am confident that I will fight to clear my name. Well, fight all you want. Fight all you want. This is just the way it has to be. It, it, It sucks. It sucks for the Republican Party. You don't want that majority being even closer but sometimes there's just nothing left sometimes there's just no room it is in the same vein i say that republicans you heard me say this earlier they have to they have to vote to remove adam schiff from his committees because the durham report is clear that when he claimed he had evidence of this and evidence of that and evidence your mother and evidence of everything else he lied it's clear that he lied. But with the political left, the cover is is massive. This brings us to a story uh, that uh, came out of Fox News but was from Wired. The people over at Wired.com did an interview with Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation. And those of us who know his story from Indiana and have heard the people of South Bend discuss this, uh, he was a terrible mayor. There is nothing, I mean, you could say he's a Rhodes Scholar, but the idea that it means he can govern is a completely different thing. The story is Pete Buttigieg loves God, beer, and his electric Mustang. Well, that's, that's the, 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 the first thing. Uh, everybody who is anybody says uh, the electric Mustang is a sin. Not because they made an electric vehicle, but that they named it the Mustang. How do you take one of the most iconic brands in all the world and then say, let's put it on an electric vehicle that's some kind of like crossover SUV thing and go? You don't do that. You don't do that. Shelby will roll over in his grave if he hasn't already. In the story, this puff piece about the Secretary of Transportation, it reads, sure, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation has thoughts on building bridges, but infrastructure occupies just a sliver of his voluminous mind. Oh, holy hell. What is this? The whole piece is all about how wonderful he is. As Secretary Buttigieg and I talked in his unfurnished corner office one afternoon in early spring, I slowly became aware that his cabinet job requires only a modest portion of his cognitive powers. I guess that's why he wasn't working on supply chain when he was on paternity leave, because it's not like he had to do anything, right? There was no work that he had to do, and his mind is just so expansive that he didn't have to really do any work. And this is one of the quotes. I'm thinking about burgers, right? Which, of course, as we all know, burgers have a lot to do with transportation. Quote, I'm thinking about burgers, right? I love a good cheeseburger. I hate a bad veggie burger. I like a good veggie burger. The Burger King Impossible Whopper with bacon is not a bad combo. First, you're having a veggie burger with bacon? So the vegans are angry with you, and so is my rabbi. Secondly, does it matter that he's thinking of burgers? What What is this? And one of the solid questions asked by uh, Zaid Jelani, who is with News Nation, Why did someone interview the Secretary of Transportation and ask almost no questions about transportation? 
because the purpose of the interview was not to ask about transportation, but you know the answer to that, don't you, sir? The purpose of the interview was to build his brand, build how good he is and how important he is to the Democratic Party. It was to provide cover. News doesn't matter. As we have learned, advocacy is the only thing that matters. Thus, the entire puff piece. I mean, read it if you want, but that's totally your waste of time. I warned you. This is Tony Katz today. It's disappointing that our discussions in the congressional Republicans have not been willing to discuss raising revenues, but the policy differences between the parties should not stop Congress from avoiding default. You understand that raising revenue is raising taxes, right? It's the only way the government can raise revenue. It's not like they can open up a pizzeria or an ice cream stand, although Joe Biden would love to open up an ice cream stand. You better believe it. He'd be the biggest customer. We could solve the entire debt problem just by selling Joe Biden ice cream. He'll even sell the Corvette for it. It's a dream come true deal. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Guys, it's good to be with you. Uh, Will we have a deal on the debt limit? Well, Biden went to Japan because he's part of the G7 and was going to be there for the summit. And I'll get into more uh, about the the G7. But uh, he's coming back. He's not going to do the trip to Australia and Papua New Guinea because he's got to come back and deal with the debt limit because those wascally Republicans, all they've done is actually pass legislation to raise the debt limit but keep spending at 20 2022 levels. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And I think before we get into what's been proposed, we got to start with basic concepts. I, I like it when we start from a from a baseline, sir. What is the debt limit? Well, Tony, the debt limit is like the limit on your credit card. It's the amount of money that the federal government is allowed to borrow. Because you and I know, everybody knows, that the government is deficit spending. They're spending more than they're taking in. And so the only way they can borrow more money is if they get an increase in their credit card limit. And that's what has to be, or that's what has to happen. And the Congress must approve an increase in the president's credit card limit. And as of right now, they have increased it. They've given him a new limit on his credit card, but they put some conditions on it. Those conditions are not so much something new, but as to say, well, here's the spending limit we had in 2022. We're going to keep that spending limit. The Democratic Party has taken that to mean, oh, so you're going to cut services. You're going to cut veteran services. And this, you know, anything that they consider to be a a place to uh, a- exploit. We now are at a place where if we don't spend more money, that is therefore de facto a cut. You know, Tony, that actually was invented back with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton changed the terminology where he said, spending isn't spending, it's called investing. And he's the one who said, increases aren't increases. So now the entire baseline has changed in our lexicon, where cutting is defined as not increasing it big enough. And that's absurd, but that's where we are, and the media is cooperating in this, uh, in this facade. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. So the debt limit means that we're not able to spend anymore because we're not able to borrow anymore. The debt no, no, limit no, isn't. That's not, no, Tony, that's not correct. That's not we correct. Can spend, 
We can spend as much as we take in. All it means is we can't increase our credit card limit. We can't borrow more. We can continue to spend as much money as we take in, which is an important point that I'd like to talk about with you. I'm a bit confused because what I hear from Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, and Janet Yellen, the treasury of the secretary, and all the talking heads out of the administration and on cable news is that if we don't raise the debt limit, we can't pay our bills. But you're saying we can do the spending. So explain it. Tony, that's why I messaged you this morning and wanted to talk, because that is an outright lie. That is completely false. We can spend every dime that comes in the door through tax dollars. Joe Biden can take tax collections, and every day the government's collecting money, Tony. Every day they're collecting taxes. They can spend that money. They simply can't borrow more money to spend. So what does that mean? That means it's a question of priority. So there is no reason that we should default on our debt, because the president can make a decision to take the existing tax revenue that's coming in the door today and tomorrow and next week and next month, and he can take that money and he can pay back the loans. He can pay off the interest on the loans. He can make that choice, or he can choose to spend it on Social Security, or he can choose to spend it on government giveaways, or choose it to spend on subsidies for solar energy. But they can spend every dime that comes in the door. They just can't borrow more money to spend. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. So explain to me what happens if we default on the debt or, or maybe said differently. If we do, I have been telling people for the past few days, I'm not about to worry about this. If we default on the debt, we default on the on the debt. It's not that I want it to happen. It's that I'm not going to get myself worked up about it the way the political left seems desperate for me to get worked up about it and to a smaller extent the political right. If the if the debt limit isn't raised, are we are we going to default? Are we not going to be able to pay the bill? Uh, okay, there's two parts of that, Tony. First, let me repeat what I said a moment ago. We will not default if Joe Biden chooses not to default. He can choose to pay the interest on the debt. He can make that decision and pay it with existing incoming tax revenue. It's a complete lie what Fringe said in her press conference. It is not true that we can't spend money. We can spend every dime that comes in the door. He chooses what to spend it on, though. He simply can't borrow more. Now, as far as is this a problem? Well, it's a problem for Wall Street, and you made a good observation. Both the left and the right are nervous about it because Wall Street has invested in treasuries. They want the government to pay them back. They don't want to default. This is just like Silicon Valley Bank. There are lots of very rich people who want to get their money back from the federal government. That's why they're creating this alarm and this concern. Main Street isn't that concerned about it. It's the people who have invested and loaned money to the government that want their money back. Well, then there's the whole conversation about who will get the bailout and who will be forced to pay for the bailout. But we'll get to that conversation later. One of the other uh, big talking points from the Biden administration, as long as we're engaging in concepts of clarity here, sir, is this idea of reducing the deficit. Deficits being different than debt. This was President Biden the other day. I'm proud of the progress my administration has made. We reduced the deficit in the first two years by $1.7 trillion in the first two years. And I proposed the budget would reduce another $3 trillion over the next decade. He keeps touting this. The Democrats 
keep cheering this. It got backed up yesterday by the head of the Democrats in the House, Hakeem Jeffries. President Biden under his administration, in addition to all of the significant legislative accomplishments that occurred in the last Congress, including around infrastructure or the Chips and Science Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion. I don't know if I necessarily trust the guy who tells me that the Inflation Reduction Act did good for the country, but they keep touting this number, Dr. Will. $1.7 trillion deficit reductions. What is the difference between deficit and debt? And what is a data manipulation that could take place to make it look like you're doing something when actually it means nothing? Well, the, the difference between deficit and def- debt is easy to explain. The amount of money that you owe on your credit card, that's debt. Deficit is the amount of extra money you spent this month on your credit card. So this year, we're adding deficit, but the debt is a balance that's due, and the balance keeps going up, and that's what they're talking about as far as increasing the debt ceiling is increasing the limit on your credit card. But this $1.7 trillion, Tony, this is laughable. And, you know, I'm not a fan of CNN. I think they're very biased. But just go to the CNN fact check page. They actually said that the president lied because the taxes that he's counting, the new corporate taxes, have decreased the deficit. Tony, those taxes didn't even go into effect. They weren't even in effect yet. They're not yet in effect. And he's saying that these taxes that we haven't even collected yet decreased the deficit last year. The deficit decreased for one reason and one reason only, and even CNN admits it. They decreased because... Um, Trump and Biden significantly spent money on COVID. And when the temporary spending, those stimulus packages, those giveaways to people and businesses, when those were expired, the deficit went down. That's all. We just stopped spending money on COVID. That's all that happened, Tony. And by the way, we still have a multi-trillion dollar deficit this year. So the, that, the fact that Biden says this, he has to get the number from somewhere. So somewhere they're able to do a manipulation and say to him, okay, say this and then send him out there and someone has to direct him on where to go and the bunny rabbit turns him around and says, no, you speak over here. And he says these words. But as you describe it, even CNN is fact-checking him. If that's the case, is Wall Street engaged in this fact-check as well? Does Wall Street recognize that Biden is not telling them the truth? Of course, Tony. The Wall Street Journal isn't re- repeating his lies. I mean, he, they report what he says, but no one, no one on their editorial board is agreeing with it. Everybody knows it's not true. It is true, though. The deficit did go down, but it didn't go down because of anything he did and any of the taxes on the rich like he keeps claiming. The deficit went down simply because the temporary spending expired. That's all, Tony. We still, but we still have over a trillion dollars of deficit each year, adding to the twenty-one trillion dollars we have on our credit card. As you look at this, as as an economist, you and you don't deal with the theory; you deal with the with the real life stuff, the dollars and cents. Um, we talk a lot about do you buy now or do you hold your cash now? And we've talked about the idea that buying things because cash will be worth less as as this goes on, and then you hear that Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, is kind of hinting that there won't be any more uh, increases 
in uh, interest rates. And then you hear from the president of the Federal Reserve of Atlanta saying, I don't know if we are done with raising interest rates. And then you hear from another part of the Federal Reserve saying we're probably going to be holding and we could see as soon a decrease. They're trying to send messages every which way. As an economist, you take a look at this economy, you took a look at those last jobs numbers, you take a look at the consumer price index, you take a look at the producer price index, the, how, what the wholesalers, uh, you know, the actual costs are. What is it telling you right now for the rest of at least 2023? Well, telling me what about inflation about growth about employment is is this economy one that's turning around and growing or is this one that is stagnating will continue to do so no it's stagnating tony i mean that's the data just continues to show that i talk about the uh, pmi index all the time this thing has shrunk now for five months in a row it's still negative so that shows you that the economy is contracting that is just a piece of factual information. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, if, if we can get the deal on the debt ceiling that includes spending controls, then I see the economy looking better. But only if that happens. Yeah, it's not. That's not going to happen, sir. Just so we're clear. It's not going to happen. By the way, this is a personal question. You still a believer in, in buying things? Go get yourself a used car. Go get yourself an actual thing. It's better than holding on. You know, the, the money is going to continue to have less value as we go for the next couple of years? No. No. I believe right now, if you were to do, what I would recommend right now is people put money in a money market account. Schwab, which is one of the most conservative, lowest interest rate paying um, investment banks out there, they're paying over 5% of their money market now. Tony, you can put your money in the bank with them and other companies too, by the way, and earn 5% not even tied up for six months. I want you to know. So why in the world, why in the world would you go invest elsewhere and buy assets when you can earn money just by parking in a money market account? That's, that's terrible for the economy, but that's what's happening. Full disclosure, um, I have done exactly that. I, I never discuss my own investment stuff, really, unless unless I own a stock and I'm talking about it. I don't I don't mention it because you should never take an investment advice from me ever. But I want you to know I did that uh, about three weeks ago as I saw the rates uh, moving in that direction and and put the cash there. So I feel like you know what? Look at me. I've got an idea of what's right with the world. Yeah, and Tony, you know. You, you're doing the right thing, but isn't that sad for the economy that we're not buying assets and building factories, but instead we're just parking our money in cash accounts? Well, I, I did buy something because the Mecham auction was going on, and I clicked the bid button. <laughs> well, I hope you make a lot of money on it, Tony. <laughs> we will see. We will see Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. You can follow him on Twitter, Dr. Matt Will, Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box. I appreciate you. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Tomorrow on Tony Katz Today, I will have a bigger breakdown of some of the hearings that took place with the whistleblowers who were testifying uh, today. Uh, this is important stuff. And of course, it was uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and others uh, saying that, uh, oh, these aren't really whistleblowers. These aren't whistleblowers at all. It's 
just a horrific thing to hear that we're supposed to trust the FBI and here's the Democratic Party listening to whistleblowers, people we're supposed to respect. They're, they're letting us know of serious issues in the, in the FBI and you have Democrats saying, oh, don't believe them, don't listen to them. We already don't have faith in them because of the higher-ups. Now it's the people blowing the whistle. How dare you? How dare you listen to them? Chairman Jordan, members of the committee, thank you for addressing FBI malfeasance and allowing me to speak today. Aside from that point of gratitude, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, and I'm angry that I have to be here to testify about the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ. That's Garrett O'Boyle. He's one of the whistleblowers, and he got asked direct questions, and he, well, told you that if you are to speak out. And Mr. O'Boyle, we, we just heard from you, your, your interaction with Mr. Gates and how all of this occurred and all of the hardships you've gone through. If one of your really good friends, your former colleagues, came to you and said, I have this thing that is being covered up, and I think the American people know to, know, need to know about it. What advice would you give them? I would tell them first to pray about it long and hard. And I would tell them I could take it to Congress for them, or I could put them in touch with Congress, but I would advise them not to do it. So you would legitimately try to protect one of your colleagues from doing what you have done? Absolutely. And how do you think that solves being able to shine light on corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people? It doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing. I yield back. It's just, that was uh, Representative Armstrong. It's just ugly. So I'm going to have the full breakdown of that uh, tomorrow. What got said and, and, and what it means. Again, for how do you have faith in the institutions? And what do we do when we don't? That's a continual theme. Because so much of this is up to us and what we do next. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I'm Tony Katz. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care. Take care.